Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hi, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I am Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor and your host. I'm very happy to have Dr. Orit Hickman here with us on the Focus Forward Business Podcast. Uh, Dr. Hickman is based out of Burien, Washington, and she's a physical therapist and CEO of Lake Burien Physical Therapy. So thank you for being here, Orit. Thank you for having me. So, so, so will you just tell our listeners a bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a physical therapist. Uh, I graduated from PT school back in 2000. I was um, the part of the last master's class that came out of Temple University in Philadelphia. And literally the day we graduated, they switched over to a DPT. And so um, that was, you know, early on, our professors were all really big in getting the DPT set up. So probably about a year later, came back and completed four classes online for transitional doctorate and have been Dr. Hickman ever since. Um, Obviously started out on the East Coast. uh, So I spent my let's see, 20 years, almost 21 years as a clinician now. So probably the first 12 to 13 years were spent um, on the, on the, no, that's not totally, that's not true. We've been here for 13 years. So the first seven years of my career were spent actually on the East Coast. Uh, Three years in acute care. um, And then after that transition to outpatient physical therapy. Were you working in a private practice then or a Yep. Yeah. It was a small clinic. We were living in um, Southern Maryland, which is uh, about 45 minutes South of Annapolis. And uh, we lived there. Um, We built a house and we were there for about seven years and um, it was a great place to start our lives, but that was my first foray into working in a small private practice uh, outside of being, you know, when I was doing my clinical rotations Sure. Uh, and um, honestly, in three years of having not been in the clinical setting, that was an outpatient setting, I'd forgotten a lot. <laughs> but there was one thing that kind of stuck with me. Um, in PT school, our professors were very, very big on what was the ideal way that we needed to practice as clinicians. And they sort of instilled in us this really strong ethical focus that mm-hmm. PT we were the link as the physical therapists, you know, when you think about a chain, we were the link between the patients and other providers, and we needed to have time to be able to work with our patients. And so I started working and in the clinic that I was working in, I would sometimes see anywhere from two to four patients in an hour's span. So I was running around the gym, treating patients, handing them off to aides. It was, four years of complete chaos. And I really look back on that time and wonder, how did I get anybody to feel better? I don't have a clue. So (laughs) we moved, my husband is originally from the Seattle area and he got this great opportunity to come out here and teach at Seattle University. And I, I love, I love the Pacific Northwest. The first time I ever visited out here was when I came out to visit him um, in grad school. And I said, this place is amazing. I have to live here someday. So we moved out here. We had the opportunity to move out here and I got a position working in another small private practice where we treated patients um, every half hour. 
And I thought, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Only two patients an hour. I'm never double booked. Um, but we were still handing patients off to AIDS. Sure. And we, I don't know that I ever saw myself as a business owner um, or thought that I would be a clinic owner ever, except that I realized that it came out of this need to provide better, in my mind, better care and to be able to spend more time with patients. And so I, I worked for this, uh, for this small clinic. Um, at the time, the owner was opening a third practice and he, he did not have systems in place. And so he wasn't managing the clinic that I was in really well. He was focusing in on this other clinic. Things were falling apart. Um, and I realized, I said, you know, I can do this better. What I now know to be an entrepreneurial seizure <laughs> for Michael Gerber of the E-Myth. <laughs> so I totally had this like this moment where I said, I, I can do this. I can be a clinic owner and I can I can do this better than anybody that I've ever worked for. And I'm going to do this. So from the time that I had that seizure, uh, I spent a year planning uh, I wrote up a really strong business plan, um, and I knew that the focus was going to be one-on-one, one-hour treatment sessions, and that was all I had in my head, and I met with people who knew business better than I did to help me sort of plan the process, but about a year from the time that I made the decision, opened the front doors, and that was it. Uh, day one, I had no patients on my schedule. And it was the happiest and most stress-free I had been in my entire career as a clinician. <laughs> it was not a single patient. I didn't have anybody on the load. And I had, um, I had made a decision not to market to any of the doctors that I had developed relationships with in the clinic that I had been working in until after I left. So I had no doctors lined up. I had no referral sources lined up. I had no marketing plan other than I was just going to go door to door and visit the doctor's offices and pray, but they would send me patients. Um, and did it work somehow, out? Huh, it, it worked out. We're here, you know, 11 years later, uh, the clinic is double the size it was when we started. It's thriving. I have clinicians that work for me. It's mm -hmm. been it's been a wild and bumpy and really fun ride and something that I would, I would never, I would never change it for a minute, for a minute. Cool, cool. So, I mean, you just kind of told us how you decided to start your first business. Is there anything you would do differently going back, looking back? Um, knowing what I know now, I am somebody who definitely doesn't spend a lot of time like dwelling and regretting. Mm -hmm. I think that every step that I took is the reason that I am the person I am today and the boss that I am today and the clinician that I am today. Well, Just like I wouldn't say again. Well, let's put it another way. Is there anything that would have made it easier? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. that's, a, that's a much better question. Uh, I think that, yes. So there are books that I have read more recently that I wish I had had those books earlier. Mm. Uh, like for example, Gina Wickman's book Traction um, mm. has helped me sort of um, 
set up uh, a culture, set up core values. You know, I wrote a mission and a vision statement, but I really didn't have a clue what any of that meant. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would have been helpful. I think a little bit of marketing knowledge would have been really great. Um, and definitely uh, having a mentor, I think would have been fantastic. Having another clinician, you know, who owns another business owner that I could have turned to and said, I'm having these things going on and I don't really know how to handle them. Because I definitely felt like an island from the very beginning. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I thought I was, you know, forging a path that nobody else had forged before and I was just going to do it. And you know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But uh, that would have, I think having a mentor would have been fantastic. It would have really helped. Well, so that brings us, I mean, this is one of my big things. My mission is I get, I see all these business owners and that, and that feeling of being isolated, of being on an island right. is really common, right? And yeah, and I've been there, you know, one of them too, um, but feeling like you're all alone, you're blazing a new path or trail when in actuality, so many people have been down the same path before and they just have it, you know, we don't talk about our challenges. We talk about the great stuff, the good things that are happening. We put, right. you know, we don't want to burden people with it. We also don't want to, you know, there's all kinds of feelings, imposter syndrome, feeling of failure, all this other stuff, right? So um, I always find it useful to share what kind of challenges we're encountering, what we're dealing with and how, how you're, um, you know, working to overcome those today. So people kind of realize that even though maybe they're in business one year, maybe they've been in 15, they can commiserate a little bit and understand too that even after more than a decade, there's still new challenges all the time, right? Oh yeah. So, so what are you running into now? What are you, what's your kind of current business challenge and what, how are you working to overcome it? Um, so we were talking before we started the recording, mm -hmm. right? So there is uh, first of all, of course, there's COVID, right? So we were sure. back in 2019, um, after reading through most of Traction, I set up a leadership team and together we really worked through who are we as a company? So we set mm -hmm. out, you know, what are our core values and what's our goal and why does that goal exist? And so we set up this, you know, really nice goal to say, we're going to put, you know, 10 clinics in 10 years right? Really huge goal, which we then modified to five clinics in five years because we said that might be too big. It might be a little outrageous. Okay. Uh, so as 2019 went into 2020, the team that was in place, um, staff as well as leadership, uh, there, was a, there was a great vibe in here. It felt like we were, we were, we were on it and everybody together was, was chugging along um, heading towards the same, the same goal. So we were set to have probably the best quarter uh, and we did have the best January and February we ever had in terms of um, profit, in terms of patient visits and just a general culture in here it just felt like amazing. Everybody was really happy to come to work. It felt fantastic. Uh, when COVID hit, it, it really allowed me to take a step back and I never, I never said, I never, it was never a consideration to say, I'm not going to move this path forward. We just had a little bit of a, 
let's slow this, let's slow the train down a little bit. Um, and as a result of that, we we've been working with a consultant whose focus is on lean management systems. And so he is, his role in here has been helping us uh, really make things more efficient on our day-to-day uh -huh. -day practices, you know, from things like, you know, how do we manage our metrics to how do we order new supplies? And we had the capacity to put all of that into place. Working with him combined with really focusing in on who we are as a company has stepped us back to this point where I realized that every decision that I now make is around my core values. And I remember it was something that you had said. I had watched you, I, you know, I'd seen you speak. You'd come to the PT Association of Washington a few years mm -hmm. ago. Um, after I'd stalked you on Facebook a little bit, I was so excited <laughs> that you were, you were coming to talk. And Thanks. so you know, I, I listened to you. And one of the things that you had said, you said, it's so much easier to make shifts and changes in a company if your core values are strong and you live mm -hmm. and die by those core values. And I really took that to heart. And that really set me on this path. And so we set up these great core values. Um, everybody is on board and understands and, and lives by them and says, yes, this makes sense for who we are. Um, and as you come through that and you make decisions, right, it's been really easy to hire and let people go who didn't match those core values. But now we've got this big thing, which is the, the billing side. Mm -hmm. And we have billed out of house for since I opened. Um, so it's been 11 years of working with a small local billing company. Uh, great, great service in the sense that they're very much motivated by money. And so, you know, we pay them a percentage and that has kept them um, working for us well enough. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that their core values don't match ours. And how that comes out is... Um, through a few different realms. One is the customer service side of things. They don't handle our customers the way we handle our customers. Uh -huh. um, that's a big one. And then the other side is the team approach. We're a strong, strong team. We look at every, every facet of everything that's running in the company as a team approach. And they don't necessarily look at it that way. They don't work in our office. They don't see us. They don't you know, we've met them, but they don't maybe know us that well, that well. And so it's, um, it's clear that their approach is not the same. So now we're having this struggle and this discussion as to what's the step we need to take. Do we, do we bring this in house? Do we find another company? Does another company exist that will match our core values that will look at things from the same perspective? It's a huge undertaking. And if you talk to, you know, I've, I've been picking the brains of other colleagues and they're all like, bring it in house, bring it in house, bring it in house. Um, oh. And then of course, we, we just talked about that sturdy, that that may, that doesn't necessarily make sense if, if, if I'm a clinician and that's who I am at heart and I'm a clinician who has become a, an owner and is a, you know, trying to manage other clinicians, do I also want to have a billing company in my company? Um, exactly. Yeah. And just to, for anybody listening, the when you're asking people for advice and you've experienced this, 
most of the time, the advice they're going to give you is whatever worked for them. Right. Right. And your context, your situation, everything else might be different. And it is. I mean, it 99.9% chance it's, some, you know, it's different. So, you know, that's really not to make a plug here, but my role as a coach is not to give you advice and tell you what to do, but is to figure out in your context, help you make the right decisions for your situation. Right. So I, I love yeah. the way you're thinking about it though, too. And your core values comments bring up a couple things because I think a lot of times people, and maybe you can comment on this, but they think the core, like you, you write the core values, you figure it out, and then they go on a plaque on the wall. And that's mm-hmm. not how you use them. So right. maybe maybe tell us a little bit more. You said decision matrix, hiring, firing, strategic partners. I mean, are there other ways that you incorporate and use these in your business? Well, I think that I think that the better question to ask is, mm-hmm. you know, is there any way that you don't use them? Okay. As the core values came out of who we were as a company, mm-hmm. right? We devised them based on what's important to us as a company. So they are, they already exist. They're part of our culture. Mm-hmm. It was just a question of putting the words together and saying, right. you know, well, these so. are, this is who we stand for as a company. This is, these are the things that are important to us. Right. And as soon as you, define that and you're able to say, okay, yeah, this is us, immediately it becomes very, very clear how you're going to make decisions and even maybe why it is you've been challenged by decisions you've made in the past. So for example, one of our core values is positivity. And we look at that as that's just our attitude. Right. We, we try to, you know, we try to hit everything with that as much as possible. And it was very, very clear that that's a, that's a big thing for me, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm a super negative person, as you can see. Right? <laughs> but um, what was very clear with that is that it's, it's a big piece of what took us through COVID as a team. And at the end of that, there was somebody who self-selected. You know, mm-hmm. he, he actually, before even COVID started, he had already kind of been like, Maybe this is not the right place for me. And when we look at the core values, he didn't match that. And it became even more obvious as we went through a very, very stressful time as a team. And for the most part, you know, I stayed on task with maintaining positivity um, and, you know, being a support for my team. But at the end, this was somebody who knew, could feel it and was ready to leave. Mm -hmm. So... I think that it's, it permeates into every decision if, you, if you've pulled those core values from who you actually are as a company. No, very well said. Yeah, and that's a great point too, because as you do bring these into, not into existence, but when you really bring them, you know, breathe life into them and, and make it a part of everything you're doing, uh, not only will you be able to make better decisions, but your people will too, including whether they're a fit, right? Yeah, I think that that's, that's the, that it was interesting. I believe that um, I, it might've been in the traction book or something else that I read, or maybe even something that you had said at one point where once you define who you are as a company, mm-hmm. 
it becomes very clear who belongs there and who doesn't. And again, those people just figure that out and, and move. Um, this same person who self-selected and said, okay, it's time for me to leave was originally on my leadership team, was somebody who had said that they thought that they wanted to be a clinic manager and wanted to grow with us. Mm-hmm. And we, when we just defined our niche, our, our niche was that we wanted to provide whole, you know, physical therapy for the whole person for their whole life. And it was like, almost like a, a click went off, you know, something went off in his brain where he realized, I don't want to treat patients throughout their lifespan. I don't, I want to treat high level sports and athletes. And this is not the population I actually want to treat. Uh And that was, that was a really important awareness for him. And when I interview now, I ask my, the potential new employees, I say, well, who do you want to treat? (laughs) And why do you want to treat those people? Because we now know who we see in here. We have a very clear, we've worked with a, working with some, with our consultants on branding and figuring out, you know, what, who are our key personas? Who are the patients we treat in here and that we enjoy treating? Mm-hmm. So defining all of that has made a lot of these decisions um, a lot easier uh, than they were originally when I first Right, so that's great, great. So tell us about your proudest moment in business. It just happened. Okay. So I, I, I had an employee, um, two actually, and uh, mm-hmm. I do weekly meetings. I meet every week with every staff member, Good. half an hour, check in. That was your, that was your advice. I took it. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Good. So I meet every week with every staff member. Um, and I, I, had, I, had one, I had one and then the other one right afterwards. Mm-hmm. They both came in to meet with me separately. Um, and they're both going through things that are happening in their lives. And they probably both will end up leaving not at all related to the company. They both told me the same thing. They said, Arit, this is a really hard decision because I feel like this place is my family. And it took me a moment to just take that in and realize that that's what I had set out to do. Right? I didn't. I didn't set out to have a clinic where, you know, everybody was churning patients in and out. I set out to have a clinic where I wanted to be fulfilled in my abil- ability to treat patients and feel successful with that. But then when the shift came and I started hiring, I said, I want the place that I never had which is I wanted to be excited to come to work, have friends and colleagues and feel like the place that I was in was supportive. And both of them said that to me one after the other in the same meeting day. It was this last Thursday and I just, I mean, how can you be upset that they're leaving <laughs> when they right. tell you that? Right. No, that's awesome. You should be proud of that. It was amazing. It was amazing. That's great. So what's one of the biggest things you've learned recently that you wish you had learned a decade ago? Good question. 
I wish I had learned a decade ago that every business owner goes through what I have been going through. And that even the ones who look like they've got it together absolutely don't. <laughs> if, my, if my bosses, my previous bosses had been more transparent mm -hmm. with the struggles and tried to engage their employees as team members, first of all, I, may, I might not have ever gone out to open my own clinic. I would still be probably working for those people. Um, but it would have helped me appreciate really how, how much you have to go through to do this. And I feel like that's, that's a thing that's missing. You mentioned something about posturing. I think when we were talking early on, maybe even before the recording, um, that my feeling has always been that I think the reason I didn't have a mentor is that I didn't feel like there was anybody that I could maybe lean on or ask these questions because they've got it all together and I'm going to look weak if I ask those questions because I don't yeah. know what's going on. And um, that, is, that is a big thing is that knowing that every business owner, even the ones who have you know, 30 plus clinics mm -hmm. are still feel, you know, dealing with challenges every day. It's new day, new problem, just which problem are we gonna deal with first and right. how big a problem <laughs> is it gonna be today? Um, I think that would have been, I think that would have been really cool to know um, mm -hmm. and to be able to feel less like an island. So that's more of, I think more recently, because I'm more open, always, you know, seeking things out. I'm, I'm, I'm finding now more business owners that are having, uh, who are feeling more comfortable saying, yeah, I don't have a clue what I'm, what I'm supposed to do right now. And I think that that's what COVID did is it broke down some barriers, broke down some walls. Yeah. It gave us some permission. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that I, I can't agree more. I think that you know, we were talking about this earlier and this is another thing I've kind of made a shift in my, what I'm trying to communicate to people is you're a specialist in what you do, right? You alluded, you went back and talked about the e-myth early on, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial seizure. Gerber defined this really well too, I thought that there are three types of work, right? The technical, tactical, um, managerial, and then the strategic or entrepreneurial. And we're specialists at the technical and the tactical, right? The right. treating of the patients, the, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it doesn't matter what profession you're in. If you're a lawyer, you're, you're good at that. If you're a plumber, you're good at that. But you, that doesn't mean you have any knowledge or training of the managerial or the yeah. strategic work. And I commend you on your you know, seeking out the education and starting to build that. And that's what I'm basically on a mission to do at this point is help people be a business generalist so they can specialize in what they specialize in. And uh, no, that's really cool. So along that theme, um, thanks for sharing that lesson, but along that theme, are there any other like favorite books? You've mentioned two, The E-Myth Interaction. Um, any other business books that you're currently reading or that you look back on and think that, you know, really, really valuable to your education? You know, I knew you were going to ask this question and I really, I've, <laughs> I've been pondering this. Um, yeah. I'm, I love to read. I hate to read business books. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Um, 
they make me very anxious because as soon as I read them, I'm immediately, <laughs> as I'm reading them, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, how do I change? Oh, this is really good information. I don't want to forget this. And how do I apply it to what's going on in my business? Mm -hmm. And so it's very anxiety inducing because the whole time I'm trying to absorb like every nugget of what this person is communicating. Cause I feel like this is going to like shift everything. And, <laughs> and so it's a very stressful process. <laughs> so, you know, I've been, I've been, I've, I'm not somebody who's read a ton of business uh -huh. books. Um, I tend to be somebody who I really enjoy talking to experts and uh -huh. gleaning information from them and then trying to figure out, okay, well, how does this apply to what's going on with me right now? And uh, I had a colleague recently who suggested that I take the Colby A index. Have you heard of this? No, I'm not familiar. It's, it's not a personality test. It's actually a test where you learn how do you solve problems? And it's a K-O-L-B-E. Okay. And um, I believe that the, the, the person who devised it, which I think her name is Ann Colby, is a clinical psychologist, She's done a ton of research on it. And the Colby index uh, will, you know, kind of, it helps you figure out, you know, how do you, how do you solve problems? This is, these are traits that are absolutely who you are as a human being that do not change no matter how your personality may or may not shift. And uh, the, the end result was that I am what's called a quick start. I'm somebody who uh, actually has very, very high risk tolerance but should not be getting stuck in the weeds on details of things and does a really good job of gleaning information and sort of stepping back and saying, okay, well, how does that fit into the greater scheme of what my company is doing, mm -hmm. but maybe delegate other things out to other personalities, let other people um, handle the, the daily, the nitty gritty and the detail work. Uh, and I thought about that for a long time because in my life, I wouldn't say that I am uh, somebody who tolerates risk very well, but in business, I am somebody who will be like, well, let's just experiment. Let's try that. Or let's just jump in. Mm -hmm. And so when I start reading books, then I immediately become very self-critical and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I could have done this differently or better. And I'm like, okay, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. I don't need all that extra information. So it's harder for me to figure out what do I need to actually pay attention to? Um, so I'm much better with, you know, uh, having things in chunks. And uh, so it takes a while before I'll decide to dive in. I think one of the books that I, I have on my list to read is Scaling Up uh, by Vern. Vern yeah. And yeah. so especially because we want to add on clinics, I was like, all right, I should maybe spend some time trying to get into this. Yeah. Let, well, we can talk about that a little more offline too. It's a great <laughs> resource. It's just for a certain phase of business, I think it's most applicable, but there's some great lessons in there. Um, yeah, that I think you're, what you're calling out though is not, I don't think it's uncommon at all. I don't think people talk about it very much, um, but that's, I mean, it's one of the reasons I follow people like John Spence because he reads a ton of business books mm -hmm. and then he talks about them and does videos and can, yeah, it takes nice. the, Nuggets. That's what I try to do as well, but um, he's he's a master at it and been doing it for thirty plus years, you know. And that's yeah. um, so. There's people like that that are that are great to follow. Um, cool. So before we wind down, any other thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? You know, we we focus so much on um, 
you know, you mentioned something, I, maybe even before we even, you know, started this and this recording today, and you, you talked about, you know, setting ourselves apart. Um, when I started, my only goal was to spend one on one time with a patient for an hour. And over time, we've shifted to a very strong focus in treating patients with chronic and persistent pain. It's a big piece of who we are as a company. Um, but that shift wasn't, that's not where we started and we shifted mm -hmm. and we've changed over time. I think that the most important thing is remembering that this is an organic um, thing that we're doing when we, when we open a business and um, being able to allow the business to flex and change and shift is uh, really important. And if something doesn't feel right, to really understand that that's okay. And just because mm -hmm. somebody else says you got to do it this way, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, it does not mean that that's what's right for you. There's a reason why I'm seeking out information and talking to different people. At the right. end of the day, I'm going to make the decision that I feel is best for my company, but hopefully have enough information so that it truly is what's best for my company. And I know mm -hmm. all the options that are out there. I think that talking to each other and being open as business owners to really be vulnerable and say, I don't have a clue what's going on here. You know, is anybody else feeling that way is really important. Mm -hmm. And finding your tribe, finding your tribe of business owners that you can reach out to and talk to, I think is also um, critical to keep sane. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, before we wind down completely, I just want to let anybody know who's listening and has and not watching that right above or its left shoulder, the entire time has been framed. Is that a cross stitch or what is no, it? It's, 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 it's just a print. print. Okay, it's a print, but it says just a girl boss building her empire. And uh, <laughs> I, love, I love that because it's been right in the background the entire time as we're talking about this. So, um, no, I really appreciate your time with, with us and sharing. Uh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sturdy. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks. Thank you for listening.